So welcome to Sundays on the East End. Uh, I'm Bridget Leroy. And I am Alex Sokolow. And we're coming to you here uh, at our new time, Alec, at 4 p.m. on WLIW.org. I know. Um, Mark Twain once said, never make any important decisions after 4 p.m. So um, hopefully oh. you made the decision to listen in before. <laughs> well, it's, it's really exciting to be part of this uh you know this growth and and uh, and you know we've got great guests today. We have, it's a it is actually a do over. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, you know so yeah. So for people, you're not this is going to be uninitiated uh, for most of you guys. But we we actually interviewed uh, our two guests uh, earlier, and then uh, the gremlins in the in the cloud uh, somehow ate it, and so they were nice enough to come back on, um, and we are going to try again. So either their answers will be. Uh, less spontaneous and more calculated <laughs> or we'll have a deeper conversation we'll find out we will find out and uh, we're going to bring on it's it's a richie burn uh from united we laugh and we also have a uh, jim jim banks who's well known out here he's, he's the head of multicultural affairs for suffolk community college and also on the Southampton Anti-Bias Task Force, but together- And then still known as Dr. Love. Yeah, let's, 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 yeah. <laughs> Dr. Love is not something that I could get away with. I cannot walk into a room and say, hey, everybody, I'm Dr. Love. And I want to know where he got his PhD, damn it. Yeah, I really want and, to know that. I want to know, does Dr. Love wear a glove? Wow. Wow. <laughs> that could be interpreted a lot of different ways. I don't know how these guys found each other because my short-term memory is shot. And, uh, but- uh, our two guests found each other and have started a program on in Suffolk County and on the East End called United We Laugh. It's a an evening that that it, in the in the before time, uh, <laughs> people would get, show up at uh, either you know comedy clubs or cafes or schools, and uh, you know four comedians would come and do uh, you know the first half of the evening um, some stand up. Diverse comedians. Well, I was getting there. Um, some stand-up uh, people, comedians with different points of view because of their uh, the, their genetics, I guess, um, and their experiences in our culture. And then the second half, which is really kind of what makes us such an, a unique and interesting uh, program for the East End, uh, is a talkback, uh, where now the audience gets to kind of come back at the comedians and really talk about issues of race and, and issues of of class and issues of identity. And what's interesting is that Richie Byrne had been doing, you know, had well, he's going to come on and tell us all about it, you know, and, and Jim Banks as well. But um, this all happened before the more recent, um, you know, systemic racism was brought to the forefront and before all of these monsters, but you know, what a, what a uh, yeah, time to have them on. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, I, I think it'd be fair to say that systemic racism uh, has been in the forefront uh, since, uh, 1619 uh, in our land. Yeah. Uh, it's now, uh, I think maybe we're at an inflection point or a tipping point where um, there's real conversation about the culture we live in, the society we live in, and uh, really, um, you know, how to uh, reset, uh, you know, our, our nation on a, on a better path. And it's also really interesting, and, and, and I'll be the first to say it, I, you know, I, I've been out here since I was 19 years old, and I, and I know that there's many, many colors of the rainbow that, that reside and work and, and contribute out here on the East End, but I would say that, quote unquote, the Hamptons or the Twin Forks are thought of as being a predominantly white neighborhood, and, and they are, but there are, but there well, are. Unless, different... unless you make a turn onto the Bridge Hampton Stag 
Harbor Turnpike. No, no, I'm serious. That's <laughs> that is that is the for better or worse the 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 geography uh, in the west. I mean, east of the canal. Uh, where a lot of African American families that had migrated north, uh, you know, right. came for work, and and there was a community there, and then also in Sag Harbor, yes, uh, where because of the, it, because of the whaling tradition, uh, Sag Harbor was always kind of considered a little bit more uh, or less consumed with uh, homogeny. Yeah, absolutely. Sag Harbor was kind of a, a you know, I mean, like in Moby Dick, it was everybody everybody was equal uh, out on the ship, and all hands were on. Yeah, deck, but so. but I think it would be fair to say that that the Hamptons, especially this time of year, uh, is a trophy for a lot of the money people in our world, and um, a lot of the money people in our world tend to have uh, opaque or Caucasian or pink uh, skin uh, proportionally. So, uh, and they and the people that tend to come out here, I think. During this period of time, are coming out to uh, to to hold their trophy up high, um, and and not necessarily uh, confront the, the the realities of the world. Um, well, there certainly have been a lot of marches and and protests, peaceful protests here on the East End over the last month or so, and and they will continue. And uh, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to bring Richie. We'll bring the funny Richie. on. We'll bring the funny yeah, we'll on. Like, on. There's the nothing funny. funny about this conversation I know. so far. And that's one of the guys like, how do you make this funny? So uh, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And we're coming to you on WLIWFM 88.3. You can also listen online at WLIW.org slash radio. We will be right back after this. We're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. And we're actually in the same room, Sock. We are. We haven't been in the same room since uh, February, I think, early March. Yeah. Like we're this. wearing our masks. We are wearing masks. I, I do not like wearing them. I was actually thinking that it, I don't know if it would be good or bad to be a ventriloquist uh, at this moment. Like, <laughs> on one level, you can, you can go away with that. And another level, like there's any anybody can do it. Yeah, and can so do it. <laughs> I'm that, a, I've just become a professional you know, leave, leave the comedy to the pros, <laughs> and and that's the segue. Perfect segue to uh, Richie Byrne of United We Laugh and uh, and Jim Banks. Welcome, welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you for yeah. inviting us. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming back and uh, uh, you know allowing a, a mulligan. Uh, yeah, it's like deja vu all over again here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, is that right, Yogi Berra or yeah, Sam Goldwyn? I think that was Casey Stengel. No, okay. it was Yogi Berra. <laughs> um, all right, so Richie, let's talk. All right, comedy plus time. No, tragedy plus time equals comedy, right? Yes. So That's we're in a really mean. funny moment right now. Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What is your? You know, to tell. I guess tell us about the, the how you. Um, Let's talk about United We Laugh. Yeah, talk about how the, the germ of it, the, how it, well, maybe germ is not a good word to use right now, but you know, how did it germ in yeah. 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 United We Laugh? Well, United We Laugh was something I thought about, uh, it came into my head about three years ago. I was uh, involved with a group of guys who were trying to put together a comedy tour, and somebody realized that we were five comics and we were all white males. And they said, whoa, I don't know if we can do that. And it wasn't meant to be that way. It just happened. And uh, some guys were saying, well, maybe we could do that. Maybe we could call it the White Guilt Tour 
Uh, <laughs> and I didn't really like that at all. And um, it actually, the tour never came about. And um, I just thought that's interesting that you can do that with any other, any, any other people. Like you can have an all-female show. You can have an all-black show. You can have a Latino show. You can have a Latina show. But you can't put all white males on a stage without being deemed as a racist now. And I just thought that was... Why, why do you think that is? What, what has happened? I think that, I think that people are, are getting a little too... Just like everything else, Alec. The, it's, listen, we need to move the pendulum. There's no doubt about it. But maybe the pendulum's going a little too far where everybody looks any time and goes, oh, that's racist, that's racist. And not everything is. Right. And, and, so, and we're living in a time of identity politics, and it seems like stand-up comedy parallels that where yes. people expect their comedians to uh, reflect an authentic kind of point of view and not culturally appropriate. Um, and so have you experienced that in your work? Absolutely. If you, I mean, if you say anything... Uh, if you mention anything, people tend to get nervous, and you and you can't. And, and part of the comic's job is to to point out things. Right. And if if we're not allowed to point out w what's going on in a, in our world, well, what's the point then? Right. So how did how did United We Laugh come about? You 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 were on this tour that didn't you know that did yeah. not fruition. It made me realize that we're living in a time where everybody's so politically correct that it may be getting dangerous. And and I think if anything, it, it you know this country's like a powder keg, and if we can't have laughter, uh, where are we? It's going to come out in other ways. And I, I just thought you know it'd be interesting to bring people of different ethnic backgrounds together, different comics of ethnic backgrounds together, and um. And the, the point of the show is everybody who gets up has to talk about race or bias, not through their whole act, but a little bit somewhere in it, or they can do the whole act that way. Um, and then we open up the second half of the show to the audience and we discuss. And Because I believe that you can almost say anything to your friends. You know, you can talk to your friends and be honest. And what made you friends? Laughter. The first thing that you do is go, I like this guy. He's funny. And that brings us together. And that's what I'm trying to do with comedy, with, with uh, United We Laugh, is bring a bunch of comics together. Let's laugh. Let's acknowledge the, uh, the elephant in the room. And then let's talk about it after we've sat down, maybe had a drink, maybe had a meal, whatever, and, and laugh. So after your first, the first time you presented United We Laugh, we're like halfway through, did you know that you had a hit on your hands? Were there people who were offended or was the audience laughing along? I mean, what? I was, that was, was deaf. I was so frightened. Uh, but I was amazed at how much A, the comics were willing to open up and talk and B, how much the audience, I thought the audience would be like, I don't want to talk. I don't want, and it couldn't be, it, it couldn't be more opposite, which tells me that you know, people are thinking about this issue so much right? and don't know, don't know where can I go to discuss it? Where can I make it better? Where can I really be honest about the views? And maybe that's what this is bringing. I'm, I'm yeah, not sure. And, and Jim, how about you? Like, how did, uh, from your point of view, uh, how did we not United We Laugh? Uh, uh, like, how did you uh, light that spark? Well, I, I went I went to their show out at the Hellenic Center. 
in the Hellenic, the Greek, the Greek diner yes. on the North Pole. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, the Greek. The Greek that, center. That also serves souvlaki. It's the yes. Greek center. Yes. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Lisa Finn, who is a really, really good uh, friend and part of this uh, network that Richie and I and her have developed, um, invited me. So I brought a few of my friends who are all diversity trainers and people who work with um, with uh, teaching um, about racism and diversity and who lead many of the organizations out on the East End that respond to some of the uh, discrimination and things like that. And we sat in and as a result of being there, it, it I was immediately romanced into wanting to be a part of it. You know, they call me Dr. Love, but that's because I get romantic. Right. Well, and, and you know, I, I think I've always heard that, uh, you know, professors have always wanted to be stand-up comics. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, it, it attracted me and I asked if I could become a part of their system. And they open-heartedly invited me because I've been a diversity trainer on long, well, all over, but particularly here out on the East End in Long Island for over 30 years, aside from having a private practice. All right. So when you're a diversity trainer and a professor, uh, you know, people sign up for the class, they're coming in and you have the benefit of a syllabus and you have the benefit of, of a captive a, audience. A, a, so well, speak. and also like you, you get to uh, deliver your message deliberately over time. How do you kind of compress that into one evening yeah. when you're room with strangers like how do you break the ice yeah that, on your side I, that question is very very thank you for that question um first one of the lovely things about my job as as the college-wide coordinator of multicultural affairs is i don't just teach it for myself i go into other people's classrooms and teach diversity and teach about racism and discrimination and so they're not always expecting uh what they're going to get from me all right so it's it's an interesting undertaking but um, I felt very comfortable with um, uh, melding into this process because I think that the, co the comedic part of it sensitizes and, and offers a sense of gentility to the audience that makes them be willing to open up and talk about the, 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 the concerns that they have despite their white fragility, despite their differences in terms of not having talked about it in the past. Etc. It makes it makes for a great opportunity for me to really push topics of discussion that really aren't often talked about. And the comedians have been wonderful in terms of how they um, softened the blow and at the same time brought comedy and at the same time invested in being part of the teaching process. Thank you, Jim. Um, I, I want to bring it to Richie because you mentioned the comedians. Like, how do you how do you pick people, Richie, or or do people approach you now? Um, how do you get a, a team together? Well, I I mean, I've been a comic for over thirty years, so I kind of yeah, I looked at this. I knew who I wanted. First of all, it has to be a great comic. I'm not taking any hack in there. Um, and it it comes from this. I definitely like a comic who isn't afraid to speak his mind, his or her mind, uh, is going to be understanding of the second half of the show and how important that is, you know, where uh, we're not just sitting up there. We really want to engage the crowd. And uh, and they have to be funny. And so far, I I mean, Jim will attest that I've, I've brought in a number of different comedians, and I, I'm really 
nobody has disappointed me. Right, and they've been the able to year. field the questions that the audience often will ask, not just of me, but of the comedians as well, and involve themselves in the engaging of the conversations amongst the audience who talks to each other as well. So it's a real nice exchange that's both enlightening and also it uh, brings about a willingness that people often have avoided historically. And and let me ask you, in the period of time you guys have done this evening, um, has there ever been uh, a line that's been crossed uh, with, with the commit, committed material? Has there ever been a moment where a comic says something and you lose the room? No, not where we lost the room, but there have been times where people during the conversation in the second half will say, you know, why do you, why is it okay to do this bit or why is it okay to and, and we have discussed that, but it does not the whole I've never had the whole room go, ooh, that was off color or that was wrong. You know? Right. There's never like that Michael Richards moment. <laughs> no. You know, also no. I to say that they oftentimes they will ask the comedians that very question too. Has there ever been a time when they have crossed the line? And the comedians right. very candidly have responded to that. And I think that that has also helped to um, sensitize the, the audience to being willing to discuss the, the, the topics that come to the fore. And I'm telling you, some of the topics are really very, very um, appropriately intense for these times. Like, like, can you, like, can you name one off the top of your head? Yeah, we've talked about, um, we've talked about white supremacy. We've talked about racism. We've talked about um, 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 we've talked about discrimination amongst our Native American brothers and sisters. You know, because some of them have attended. We've talked about um, uh, discrimination against well, LGBT. We had a young man raise his hand. We had a young man raise his hand and talk about the fact that he was uh, he he was only about eighteen, I think, or nineteen, right. and that he was gay and how hard it was for him to deal with that in high school and grammar school and that just took it to a whole different you know we we weren't even really going there and we and we ended up which i love we ended up totally on a different path that night right and 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 let's all right so let's talk about white supremacy and racism for for just a second because that's really all we have <laughs> on that topic um so is, is is racism ultimately it, it's a white problem it's a European problem. It's like where, where, what is the original sin? Not so much in, in America, but in the culture of America. Well, you know, the 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 skinny on racism is that race, in period, is a myth. You know, and um, the, so so racism ha has been on every continent and in every way. America has been really suspect and subject to it because from its very beginning, they were, um, they operated in hypocrisy with respect to their, their particular um, uh, credos, like all men are created equal, yet they were enslaving people. You know, so, so yeah, racism has permeated throughout, the, throughout our culture for many, many moons. And while it has been silent, silently um, felt and not necessarily addressed, um, many people are re are resistant and and are are subject to to discrimination across across the board. And so, as far as white supremacy is concerned, you, as you mentioned in your question, which I thought was a really astute question, you know, as far as white supremacy is concerned, um, 
we're not talking about skinheads and and folks like that. We're talking about people that actually um, managed and the narrate narrative. And, and it, those who manage the narrative are the people who lead most of the co corporations and organizations and government of our nation. And because a lot of them are not exposed to the things that all of us on this program have been exposed to living in New York and living in different parts of the uh, of the country, um, they the narrative that they manage or narrate isn't always as sensitive as it needs to be and isn't always going to take away the, the, the notion of, of oppression that is associated with, um, you know, the systemic opp oppression that is associated with, with uh, white supremacy. Well, as we're talking with James Banks, uh, who is do also known, a.k.a. Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Banks. <laughs> Dr. Banks. And, uh, and we're also talking with Richie Byrne from United We Laugh. We're going to take AKA Professor Sachs, <laughs> <laughs> who's clearly a comedian. We're talking not about, to be confused with Professor Longhair. Yeah, <laughs> we're how to kind of bust open uh, the the mores of racism through laughter. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. This is Sundays on the East End on WLIW eighty eight point three FM. You can also listen online at WLIW.org/slash radio, and we'll be right. We're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokol. on WLIW. And we're talking with Richie Byrne from United We Laugh and Dr. James Beggs, who's multicultural professor. I'm sorry, what, what is your exact title? I don't have it in front of me. College-wide coordinator of multicultural affairs. Okay, so here's That's a, a mouthful, Jim. Yeah, here's I know. A question for I, like, I like Dr. Love better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, James Baldwin. Is he your favorite Baldwin brother? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! You are so funny. Yeah. <laughs> speaking speaking of funny, Alec had started to ask a question uh, before, which is yeah. you know, how no, yeah, Richie. So like like, when did you know you wanted to stand up in front of people and try and make them laugh for a living? When did like how did you become a stand up? I'm always fascinated uh, by people's road to uh, stand up comedy. I mean, road to constant humiliation and <laughs> road to wanting to have a microphone and yeah. have a captive audience and say things that that cut through. When did I know? Yeah, um, about a year ago. No, um... <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Get the rim shot. That's awesome. No, seriously, what, wow. what, what made you want to get it? Like, not how did not made you want to get in? Because maybe it wasn't a conscious decision. Maybe it just happened. No, but... well, I, I actually, most comics that I talk to tell me that they always knew. Oh, I knew when I was a kid. I wasn't that way. I never thought I could be a writer. I uh, I I got into theater when I was in high school, and then uh. Moved so on sorry. a major. <laughs> what? I said, I'm so sorry that you got into theater. <laughs> Go ahead. I majored, I majored in speech and theater in college. And then when I got out of college, I was doing the actor thing. I was, you know, uh, I, I, I was doing uh, summer stock and, and some tours and things. And people were always saying to me since high school, you should do stand up. You're funny. You should do stand up. And I was always like, no, there's no way. And then uh, some, uh, I had a college professor who kept saying, any. Anywhere, anything you can get into in this business and show business is a good idea. 
So I thought, well, I'll do stand up for a year and maybe it'll open a door to get an agent. Ah. And (laughs) that was the dumbest thing I've ever said to myself. And, um, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that. (laughs) That was a pretty dumb idea. And I, uh, I just fell in love with it. It became, I didn't even know it. Like I just started going out to open mics in the city and, and just going, and, and it became kind of an obsession that I knew I wasn't good and I wanted to get good at it. I wanted to be good at it. And um, is it possible, uh, self-reflectively, uh, would you say, what is your brand in, in comedy? Like what kind of comic would you define yourself as? Um, I tell I tell stories. I'm very uh, family oriented. I tell a lot of stories about my family. Uh, I'm high energy. Uh, right, you're right. Rock on tour. Yes, yes, and yeah. You, and you've been on a lot of um, a lot of TV shows and, and stuff like that. Like, uh, can you can you tell us some what what may we have seen you in, Richie? Uh, well, I'm, I'm back in the uh, mid two thousands, I did the big three. I did Law and Order. Sex in the City and, and Sopranos, which, you know, that's a requirement as an actor in New York back in the mid 2000s. Right. You know, and, I, so, and one order, Sex in the City and the Sopranos. All right. Marry yeah, I would Rachel and F. I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> which one would you marry? Which one would you kill? And which well, one well, would you I, I always say I was very proud because I did the big three. I did Law and Order. I didn't get arrested. I did Sopranos. I didn't get whacked. And I did Sex in the City and didn't get laid. I don't know any other actors. Oh my god! Okay, and so- and and, and uh, Jim. Uh, so um, I now have a question for you. When did you know that you wanted to have a career in teaching and in, in academia? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. Um, what happened to me um, back uh, several years ago was I had a heart transplant. Um, so I'm a heart transplant recipient. And as a result of that, and a historical uh, embracing of by my mother, telling me to use up any skill that I have, because that's the only way, being an African-American in America, that I'm going to make it. Um, I, that's what I've been doing, is trying to use every skill I can. I won Amateur Night at the Apollo six times in a row uh, as a singer with a group. And, um, you know, I... Can we hear your songs anywhere? Yeah, can we? Are your, your songs? Do your songs exist somewhere on the on the interwebs where Actually, we may be able to find them? Never did get um, published on the on the, uh, on the on the on the online or anything like that because it was before that time. All right, um, we were they were cutting they were cutting um, records back then, and I you know we had um, we had we cut three records, and um, our songs. Then our then our then our group kind of dissolved itself, and then I moved. That's when I moved into um, uh, going back and completing my education and stuff like that. And I ended up with this heart transplant about ten years ago, and that then activated or motivated me to say, you know, someone gave a very important thing to to me, and I need to give back. And I and since then I have invested probably most of my energy in being chairperson or participant in a myriad of groups. There's about, if you saw my signature, there's about 13 groups that I'm a part of, either as co-chair or as a a member. And teaching and and going out and and being responsible for managing diversity in uh, different organizations and at the college, 
And I said, you know, this this is my calling. This is something that I want to do. And I may I've I've done workshops with with preschoolers, okay, uh, from preschoolers up to the senior citizens. So I'm not inhibited by how old the audience is. I'm more likely to try to tailor what I have to say and what lessons I need to teach to the crowd in the audience, which is sort of what the comedians do. You know, so that's why I think it's a good wedding between me and comedians, because we we have the same kind of ideology that, you know, you need to be able to to respond to as many of the crowds as you possibly can. So that's how I got Absolutely. where I am. And do you know, do you know who gave you uh, your heart? Yes. No, I, I know. No, I don't know who he was, because what happens is when you get a transplant, you have to write to the family of the transplanter um, um, uh, through an organization or agency. Does like someone stand over your head and make you write a thank you note? Like my aunt always used to make me do at Christmas. No, actually, they had us had us write our own. And by the way, the hospital has asked me since then to teach others how to write the letter. They like my letter so much because I've always been a pretty decent writer. I wrote our songs for our group too. So you know. It, Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the name of your group? That's what I was going to ask. What was the name? The Explosives. Explosives. The Exclusives. The Exclusives, like the Sophisticates, like the Aristocrats. Yeah, something along those lines. But anyway, I like writing, and that then became um, how I got into continuing the process of, of being an educator. The person who donated the heart. However, I wrote letters, three letters to his family. They never responded. All right. However, uh, my goal was was just to thank him and let him know how that person's heart was being used. There's a whole lot of stories associated with it, like people being um, people um, asking me, did you pick up any of the characteristics of the donor and stuff like that? You know, uh, and have you? I, I'm told by my ex-wife that I that I I did because she used to say I was the safest driver that she ever knew. But all of a sudden, she said, "Just you're, you're driving a lot faster than you used to drive." And I said, "What's that?" Um, did, and the person who donated his heart was killed in an automobile accident. Oh, that's you're horrible. kidding. Yeah, so, and and can I ask a question that might be personal? You know, more personal. But did did. Was your heart donated by an African-American no, man? That's you- the beauty that makes me, I believe, multicultural subject of the planet, because my, my heart <laughs> is donated by a white guy. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, and so you drive faster. And uh, uh, do, do you uh, are you more dismissive of yourself now? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. No, as a matter of fact, I, I feel like I'm a great integrator because I'm embracing myself because of my differences from my heart. My grandfather, Mervyn Leroy, uh, directed a lot of, of Hollywood films, and he's known for like Wizard of Oz and Quo Vadis and, you know, Mr. Roberts and all these other films. But the only one he ever won an Oscar for was a short film he did during World War II with Frank Sinatra called The House I Live In. Hmm. And uh, and it's about it. It starts with Frank Sinatra singing, and then he goes out to the alleyway behind the theater, and there's a bunch of kids picking on uh, clearly a Jewish kid, who, as Alec has pointed out, was actually played by an Italian kid. But you know, whatever. But um, 
And the point that's just weird, it, it, this made me think of it, is because the point he makes is that, well, did your dad serve in the war? Was Has your dad been a soldier? Did your dad need a blood transfusion? Well, maybe his dad is like, son, did your dad ever give blood? And it's like, well, maybe his dad's blood is coursing through your dad's veins. Maybe his dad's blood saved your dad's life. So it was very, I mean, it, it's it's looked at, you know, and then and then and then it deteriorates into like, a unfortunately, kind of a World War Two propaganda thing about, you know, the dirty Japanese and stuff. So 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 like if you watch the first half of the 12 minute movie, it's awesome. You don't want to watch the second half. Right, so. But you know what? You're talking about movies. And again, this might go to white supremacy is that who were making the decisions of what was funded, right. what was distributed and what myths were being uh, propagated. Right. Uh to the point in which they become second nature. Right. I am so pleased to be on with you folks. You are a wealth of talent, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered by it um, because I know that um, you can contribute to some of the uh, narratives that I'm interested in purporting. So, so I'm excited about it. And when I hear about your backgrounds, you know, Mr. Sokolov, you're, you're the top of the line, and certainly my dad's not here. Alec is the best. You know, we've been friends uh, since we've been I've, friends for I, forty years. I, yeah, well, uh, for you know, they they say if you can't be good, be on time. So I try and be on time. <laughs> you should talk a little bit about the um, upcoming efforts that we're doing. Yes. Yes. Well, wait. You know what? Let's, let's we're about to have a break. Um, so right, let's, Jim, uh, Jim is let's, taking Jim is taking control of the show at this I, point. I, I, and, and I do have a question, Rich. Um, do you feel like all of your good works with United We Laugh kind of counterbalance you helping Dr. Oz's audience get warmed up? <laughs> well, there's no answer to that. You just you packed him into a corner. Of course I don't. I'll be honest. I, I'm just hoping. Then sooner or later, they let an audience go back so I can warm an audience up. You know? oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. Well, we're we're going to take another break. We're going to come back and hear about uh, the, 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 the upcoming. What's happening? Like, yeah, what, why to all of our listeners where you can actually access this program and, and where you can join the, 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 the conversation and the dialogue. And also talk a little bit about your relationship with the East End. You are listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sacco. It's 4 p.m. and like 40 minutes. Uh, Something so like that. So it's the afternoon. Yeah, and uh, the, hopefully this is uh, adding to your afternoon. Then this is the time that our show will now be on. 4 p.m. You're listening to us on WLIW 88.3 FM and also WLIW.org slash radio. And we will be right We're back. Hey, this is Alex Sokolo. And Bridget Leroy. And this is Sundays on the East End. And uh, I, I'm good with the first name. So our guests are Rich and Jim. Yes. Richie yeah. Byrne and James W. Banks. Yes. And, and let's talk about uh, United We Laugh. This is a program you guys have initiated. This is a program uh, that, that uh, anybody can access in Suffolk County and on the East End of Long Island. It's a it's a night of comedy. It's a night of jokes, but it's also a night of open and free and much needed uh, discussion and conversation. So so where are you? How are you guys handling COVID? How are you? Are, where where can people access you? Uh, well, now? We, we are we, we just did a Zoom show on uh, May 29th that went really well. 
uh, that was set up, and we're, we're open to doing things like that. Uh, more of those. We're hoping to get more of those. We're also working on a podcast to put together a podcast once a week, and um, we're uh, hopefully in the next month or so that'll be up and running. Richie, uh, because Jim is based on the East End, are, are most of these programs East End based? I mean, or Long Island based? No, they a, a lot of them have been the first, but but it, we're not we're not tied to the East End only. We're we're just uh, uh, we're hoping to get the word out all around. So. Um, uh, but for right now, we've done most of our shows have been uh, in on the. East and by the way, my job at the college requires that I be responsive to all the communities touched by Suffolk County Community College, and that's Brentwood and 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 West, um, Selden, West and East, and of course Riverhead out to out to Montauk. So I'm all over the place, right. and I'll travel anywhere to get the message across that we. Are trying to get out there. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's funny? Like I, I, I certainly have felt, and and I've been guilty of this myself, uh, that when you when you do live, uh, you know, uh, east of the canal, when you do live in the Hamptons, when you do live, uh, kind of, uh, in this little corner of the world, a lot of times you don't realize. You, you mentioned Brentwood, and you mentioned Selden, you mentioned other communities. Just how integrated we actually are with uh, the communities that, that uh, a lot of people on the East End uh, in the Hampton may never drive to, let alone uh, acknowledge. So true. I have students who, who, don't, who don't even know what it's like to be past 112. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's that insular thing that's like that Saul Steinberg cover of The New Yorker where it was like New York City and then like everything else was a blur in the distance like the rest of the United States. I, mean, I guess where, where we live very much becomes part of us, but um, but that's a whole other discussion. No, I mean, but, let's no, get back. but I think it's part of this conversation because the dialogue that I, I would like to think you guys are, are initiating and uh, are, are creating is really a dialogue of how we're all the same even though we may self-identify differently. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I like to think that race is kind of like Mexican food, where it's like any dish is like the same ingredients, <laughs> but some dishes kind of heighten yeah. beans and some dishes kind of heighten cheese and some dishes kind of heighten rice. And, and it depends on the spice. And it depends yeah. on the spice, exactly. But it's but like if aliens came down, they would basically say, well, it's all the same. See, that would be, if they that would be a comment worthy of the comedic show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you did the Zoom uh, on May 29th. You did a Zoom show. How was how how was that in the time of COVID to be doing it like that? Uh, well, it was. You know, Jim said that he'll go anywhere for the message, and so will I. But if I can do it from my house, I'm even happier. <laughs> Comedians rely on response. It's a it's a call and response. Mm. So possible. Nah. So how did you manage to to negotiate that on Zoom? Mm. It was it. it Zoom is, it's, it's very difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's not the same at all, but um, you just have to make do with what you have right now. And, um, you know, we, we uh, definitely had no problem with, with the discussion, right. but from a comedy standpoint, yes, it is because someone might be in their house and they're talking or they have some, something going on in the background, whatever it is. And that's coming through on the zoom feed unless you mute them. Well, if you mute them, then they're not, you can't hear them if they're laughing. Nice. So it's kind of, you know, it's it, it's not the easiest situation to be in, but it, it beats the alternative, which is not doing anything. 
Yeah, and one of the things about Zoom is that they can mute themselves also. So you have to constantly be observing that to see who's muted and who's not mm -hmm. and, and, and opening it or being aware of it. So what, what do you have planned coming up? What are some... Uh, yeah, where can we United... listen? Where can we be part of this? Well, we're hoping we're hoping to have the, uh, the podcast up in a month or so. Um, United We Laugh podcast. And, uh, you know, you can find us on Facebook, United We Laugh. Uh, we're hoping to have a website soon. And we're looking for any 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 uh, any work we, we can do. We, we want to go into some... We'd love to do some corporate work. We'd, we'll do... We, we'd love to do... Uh, I mean, now that... Uh, we're starting to be allowed to go back into rooms together. Hopefully we'll do some more shows soon. You know, we've been having conversations with some of those organizations, even healthcare organizations, and hoping that they will undertake and take on the show by sponsoring it. And we can take it to, we can, we right. can put it out there for everybody. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's what I was going to say is that uh, if, if people are listening, uh, you know, we're talking about, a you know, a comedy show, a diverse comedy show with uh, with different uh, people from different ethnic backgrounds doing stand up comedy, followed by a Q&A and a, a talk back led by Dr. Banks. And um, and they can get in touch with you through the United We Laugh Facebook page. Is that what you're saying, Richie? Yes. OK, so that's United We Laugh. And um, and Jim, you have you have a web you have a web page yes, as well, um, don't you? I have my own, which is www.jameswbanks.com. Too many W's. I'm an editor. Cut a W out of there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. W, w out there. Hey, don't knock W L I W, I'm just man. Saying, you can't Too spell, soon. You can't spell Willow without W L I W. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so so let's talk a little bit about your audiences. I mean, how do you get people in the door? I mean, I you know I I don't know if I would. You're, sorry, let you're me stumbling here when you're just talking about your desire to engage in the conversation know, about race. I what's know, up, I, what's up with your white guilt? No, shut up! No, what I mean what's is I would on? like to go to the comedy part. But I don't know if I would necessarily want to stay for the talkback part. How do you keep people there? We don't force people to talk. You don't have to talk. I mean it. You can just sit there and listen and, and, and get, I mean, I I was amazed at some of the stories that the comedians told who have been friends of mine for years where I thought, wow, I never knew that about him or her. And, and that was, it, it kind of, it, it opened my eyes to things. My, my, my interest in this is to bring as many different viewpoints into the mm -hmm. conversation. And right. that's hard to do. I mean, we're, most of the shows have been sponsored by anti-bias groups who've been amazing, but uh, you tend to have a like mind come in and talk. I would like, I mean, I would love to get pe people who go, hey, I, I'm not a racist. I didn't do anything. I don't know why I'm getting blamed but for things I didn't do. Some of my best friends are racist. Yeah, some of our best friends are racist. I'm not a racist, but <laughs> I'm friends with Yeah, But seriously, so what is, what is your desire to Like, have you ever had someone... I don't know, change their mind or, or someone say something that might sound like sweetly naive, like, oh, I never thought of that or something. I mean, is that, are you changing minds? Yeah. I yeah. think, I think my mind is, I, I think my mind's been opened up by, by things, stories I've heard and, and things people have said. And I'm like, wow, I never, I never looked at it that way or some, you know, and I can't give you a specific, I'm sorry, but, uh, I can, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Rich, but, um, 
after the after the show, people are constantly coming up to us and telling us about the things that they've gotten out of the show and how they thought it was a really great undertaking. People have asked us to do the show for some of the high schools. Some of we've had uh, superintendents and people like that have asked us to do to do the show in their communities. You know, it's so yeah, people have changed their mind or have been open to hearing the minds of other people as a result of this show. And I'm constantly with my ear to the ground, as my Native American brothers and sisters would say, listening for that kind of uh, outcome. I think that was very racist of you. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> but here's a question, and I'm actually thinking about this. This goes back to, uh, Richie, what you were saying earlier about the Four White Guy tour, which I think uh, was Larry the Cable Guy, uh, Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but um, and, and that's this. All right, so everybody comes in and they, and they have a, a unifying principle in that everybody wants to listen and talk and share and learn. Do you, and laugh. And laugh, uh, laugh, laugh, at, absolutely, with the two drink minimum, especially. <laughs> um, but do you run the risk, potentially, of of eliminating, uh, you know, of people being too politically correct. No, I mean, I'm hoping that's what I'm hoping to not be, with the idea of the comics and and bringing. I mean, I mean, um, I remember at the holidays we did a show right before Thanksgiving, and I said I got up and said, black, white, yellow, green, whatever we are, we all have one thing in common: no one wants to spend the next few weeks with their families. <laughs> and somewhere in Wuhan, a germ was laughing, saying, "Yeah, I'm going to get everybody to <laughs> yeah. be stuck with your family for months." Yeah, actually, um, the Dalai yeah. Lama uh, once said uh, something tantamount to, uh, "You, you want to people talk about compassion, but uh, they've never seen these people with their families." <laughs> right. I want to also say that. And during the second half of the show, we often will pose questions that will agitate some dialogue that may be beyond the barriers that they typically would go as well. Cool. So you're you're pushing. So Richie, you're pushing the boundaries with with laughter. Jim, you're pushing the boundaries with dialogue. And uh, mm -hmm. and this is United We Laugh. We're kind of coming to the end of our show. Do you do you have anything else, you guys, either of you, that you want to add? Um, just that you you can find us. At on Facebook at United We Laugh. And uh, Bridget, again, last year you did an article about it, and I, I couldn't be more appreciative. It was a wonderful article, and thank you for thank you for reaching out for us today, too. This, is, this has just been great. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned Lisa Finn, who has been so instrumental in helping us not only to find locations, but also to be a part of the process of planning. And she has been very key to our Lisa Finn of Patch, who is now going to be blushing and hiding her head because she so didn't want to be mentioned. But she'll be finished. She'll be finished. No, that's not fair. Anyway, but uh, United We Laugh, um, Richie Byrne, Jim Banks, uh, you can find United We Laugh on Facebook and uh, James, uh, Um And I, I can't thank you guys enough. This is such, it's always been a, a necessary conversation but it's uh, more tantamount now than ever and uh alec do you have a way that you want to 
Yeah, you know, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Hope everybody had a good listen, a good hour. Um, and what I would say, uh, pushing towards the next week, remember to laugh, as, as uh, Led Zeppelin would say. Does anybody remember the laughter? <laughs> remember to laugh. Remember that we're all basically the same uh, in that we uh, may see the world through our eyes, but uh, we're all living in the same world. And uh, that this country was created by man has been mistreated by man and can be fixed by man. So be part of the conversation, please. Be part of the solution and uh, know that uh, the past is prologue. We're here. Everybody be well and stay well.